Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Emil Harker. He is a guru. Well, I don't know if you can be a guru after 20 years. (laughs) You've been doing what I call saving and enriching key relationships for about 20 years now. Uh, You've got a book. Uh, we'll talk more about the book as we get into the show, Emil. It's, it's called You Can Turn Conflict into Closeness, Seven Communication Skills of Successful Marriages. And if that sounds like a, a Covey or a Gottman title to you guys, well, no, no accident, I guess. I mean, these people have mentored you. In fact, you've got Dr. John Gottman's endorsement on the back of your book, which impressed me. I was like, whoa, you got Dr. Gottman? That is pretty sweet. Right. And then our mutual friend, uh, Julie Hanks, is on there. Uh, Laura Brotherson. You've got some, some heavy hitters endorsing your book, and I can see why. I'll share some of what caught my attention about that, Emil, as we get into our conversation today. I, I'm wondering if you could just share with our audience today a little bit about why you're here and Man. how you got here. Well, I think on the superficial level that's not so superficial – is the reality that that Dr. Paul and I have the same mission. Like yeah, we are yeah. here to change lives and make them better, enriching the substance that makes life livable and enjoyable and removing the stuff that makes it painful. So we're on the same mission. And so serendipitous, the laws of attraction brought us together and boom, boom now we're going to do the podcast. So, yeah, I love what you said about that. We're on a similar mission. And have you found that your mission kind of finds you, not the other way around? Yeah. People are out there looking for their purpose. I tell you what, if you you live according to principle, your purpose will find you. Yeah. And, And then you get to engage in that intentionally. That's why we call this live on purpose. I love it. I love it. The whole idea of... And I was telling Paul this uh, before we started the official podcast was that the idea of living on purpose and marriage, living a marriage and a relationship on purpose is so vital to our, our mental health, our overall well-being and satisfaction in life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I was just thinking about, um, so Harvard did that 75-year longitudinal study. Mm-hmm. on happiness, the quality of life. And out of all of the variables that impacted people's lives, the main key, the most significant variable to the quality and, and overall satisfaction in life had to do with the quality of their primary relationships, usually their spouse, which you would think, okay, yeah. Now here's what frustrates me is that shouldn't surprise anybody. Okay, now everybody's trying to get ahead and make money and do something and venture this and do this, but everyone knows that 
life begins to really suck when the relationship with your spouse or your kid starts to fall apart. No matter what else is going right. on. You can matter what else. Jet, flying in a jet to the Bahamas and you find out that, you know, your wife doesn't want to be with you. Um, Bahamas are not going to be fun. The money's not going to be useful. Life's going to be miserable. Yeah. But when you're flying to the Bahamas and your wife's leaning into you, nuzzling up, and you're like going, oh, yeah, I'm ready. This is good. This is how life's supposed to be. So the quality of life is totally connected to the quality of our relationships. And then there's another study. What's the biggest contributor to the quality of a relationship? What's the hinge point of the quality of relationship? And there was a study done in Canada, and their, what their results were was the way in which they handle conflict. Right. Conflict is the key because no one has a problem when things are going good. Gosh, you're so handsome. Nobody, that's not a problem. You smell wonderful. Gosh, the food was wonderful. You look great. No one has a problem when things are good. No problem there. But what do you do when you're having a bad day? Or an insecurity starts to creep up and interpret what the other person said in a way that makes you feel neglected or disrespected. Well, what do you do then? What well, we don't get trained on how to handle those moments. And so those moments begin to hijack the quality of our relationship, the quality of our life. That's why the whole book, You Can Turn Conflict into Closeness, is so, so important to me and it's been my life's mission. We yeah. just don't get trained. I mean, think about it. If when I talk to people, when you talk to people, people feel they they have two options: say something and complain, which starts a fight. Yep. Or don't say anything at all. That's what they think. They got A or B. Little did they know that C is an option, a which is say something and create a connection when you say it. And when your spouse says something spicy, you know how to respond in such a way that that spiciness turns sweet. Mm. But we just don't get trained. And so we just wing it. Yeah. And it's ridiculous that we don't incorporate relationship training in our lives. You know, you know what's policy. about that? Okay. Emil, we do get trained. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, we get trained by people who didn't get any training yet. Well, they got trained too. Right. And we carry on these, these patterns through generations right. of how to handle right. conflict because what you said, you know, those two choices, that's what we're trained. You, you either right. keep your mouth shut or you start a firestorm. Right. And, and maybe there's an option C that we need to, right. to retrain, reprogram our brains about. Yeah, because it's not that mysterious. We've had conflict for years. Yeah, the conflict, relationship conflict, since the beginning of time, has cost trillions, bazillions of dollars and countless lives. And you would yeah. think that something so predictable, something so universal, something so destructive and 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 damaging, would 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 get the best of the minds together to say, hey, we need to figure this thing out. Let's, let's come up with strategies to create cultures of cooperation, cultures of, of working through differences. We don't. 
We don't. No, no, you, know, you used the word too that just caught my attention. You used the word universal. Right. Which means it's everywhere. I think it's a given. Yeah. Check it out. Anytime you bring two different people together, you're going to have conflict. Absolutely. Because we have different backgrounds, different preferences, different genders. But it's the differences that make us relevant and interesting to each other in the first place. Right. right. We're exactly the same. One of us is unnecessary. So there is, we have to have the richness of the two. Right. It's and what we don't have conflict and richness to the relationship in the first place. So right. there will be conflict. It's guaranteed. Do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you don't have conflict, then you are not presenting anything valuable to the relationship. Okay. You're yeah. not right. There's no giving of yourself. If you're the peacemaker and you find yourself patting yourself on the back because you have learned the art of biting your tongue. <laughs> Thou shalt be miserable because you will only have peace and not the intimacy that our relationships are designed to be. So if you fight for peace at the cost of closeness, mm -hmm. then you're going to have an empty life. You won't feel that sense of connectedness. You'll go, oh, we don't ever fight. I have, to, I have to acknowledge that this is a healthy conversation to have. I, I know that everybody, everybody who's in a relationship is dealing with conflict in one way or another. I think yep. what we're doing is let's bring this up into the light of day. Let's talk about it from a standpoint that it can actually help us do something productive with right. this energy that's happening. Right. And I think you're right because a lot of people think that the conflict is some kind of an indication there's something wrong with them. Something's wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and in the business world, conflict is like this necess necessary thing that they've, they've learned to realize that conflict is, is the seed of breakthroughs. It, right. is, it is the thing that makes things progress. Right. Same thing with relationship. So this idea that somehow conflict is a bad thing is is the wrong idea now now how we have conflict can either be productive or destructive but once we learn how to to disagree without being disagreeable to to learn how to to have friction without fighting then we have true intimacy so i i love what you're saying we've got to say if you have conflict fantastic Wonderful. Now let's make it into, let's turn it into closeness. Transform that thing. Use the energy. Let's steer it. I'm thinking about the, uh, the image of a bridle, you know, right. a horse. You got all this energy. The bridle does not take the energy away from the horse. It simply steers it in a productive direction. Right. And I think that's the direction we're going. Emil, before we get into this break, we're going to take a, a quick break here in just a moment. but. The starting place. This is what caught my attention first from your book. It's a, a principle that I've taught for years, and I see it as the first thing in your book to assume something. Right. Can you share that with us before we go to the break, and then we'll dig into it? Yeah. The basic principle 
for relationships that can help us stay healthy emotionally and relationally connected is to always assume good intentions. Now, good intentions, we are, what we're going to do is we're going to create a story, a compelling, believable story that explains the behavior of the other person in the most beautiful, positive light. Yes. Now, when I say assume good intent, some people go, oh, you're just going to bury your head in the sand and pretend like everything's roses? No, 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 no. What I'm <laughs> saying is we're going to tell ourselves the story of assuming good intent, not that their behavior is okay, but the intentions behind it are probably more noble than you realize. Even when people are trying to be mean, like literally trying to create pain, when you look underneath that surface of their intentions of hurting you, what's the real root? Paul, what's the real root? You know. They're trying to make things better. Right. They're hurting. They're trying to have you feel their pain so that you understand them more, which would make things better. Better. So even when people are trying to be mean, they're not trying to be mean. They're actually trying to help you understand their pain so you understand them more. And if you understand them more, then you guys can cooperate and be more close. So assuming good intent isn't a positive attitude. It's a skill that is honed over time where you become free from even the, from the weaknesses and, and insecurities of other people. And when we become free, we're able to act with greater confidence and, and purpose when we connect with others. I think there's a richness there that, that deserves some more exploration. We'll do that as soon as we come back from this break. Folks, this is Emil Harker today at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com. And we're back. Email Harker today at Live On Purpose. Wow, I get the the honor, the privilege <laughs> of visiting with Emil Harker. What a treat! Come on, come on, Paul. You're too kind, dude. You know what? When I read your book. It was so obvious to me that we needed to have this conversation. And you very graciously said, yeah, okay, I'll, you know, I'll give Dr. Paul Maybe a little do. time. Maybe of little. course. Hey, well, this assumption. Right. Assuming good intent. You had some ideas. Tell me what you're thinking. See, people, people say sometimes, well, I don't want to be a fool. Right. I, I, you know, I don't want to just bury my head in the sand and say everything's roses and... Positivity 
See, there's the trite, fluffy, psychological, motivational speaker side of that. And then there's the hard science behind why this works. And here's what I want to point out. You're already assuming something. And you don't know. Right. Do you know what that person's intentions are? No. Even if they tell you, you don't know. Right. Because they don't even know sometimes. <laughs> no. And in the heat of the moment, I just want you to hurt. Okay. Well, really, is that their intention? No. This person loves you. They chose you as their life partner, if we're talking about a spouse, right? But it could be a coworker. Right. Here's the thing. Look inside of your own heart and mind. What's your intent? Do you want to make things better or do you want to make things worse? Now, our misbehavior often makes things worse, but it's not because that's what, that was our intention. So when you said, assume positive intent, it's, it's an active choice. And it's an acknowledgement that whatever you already think is already an assumption and you don't know. Right. So pick a position that serves you well. And what I hear you saying, Emil, is that this particular position or assumption serves you well. Right. Yeah, because what happens is it works in two ways. One is if I assume good intent and I'm wrong, I look like a dove. I'm amazing. And they feel like a turtle. Okay. They're not feeling so sweet. So if I say, hey, you know what? I know you did this and this and this and this, but I'm betting you probably meant this and this and this. Am I right? Well, they, now they have to disagree with the good intention, which makes them feel worse, but they like me more. See, even if I'm right, I'm not assuming good intent or at least the superficial part. And I go, you know what? You don't even care about my feelings. You're trying to hurt me. Even if I'm right, they're not going to go, good point. That's so true. I was really just trying to oh, you make you it. feel pain. They don't do that. They don't say thank you. If you're wrong when you assume good intent, you win no matter what. You feel more confident. And it has, like you were saying, is it has this natural positive reaction in the other person to where they're, they're less defensive. And if they're less defensive, then they can be more authentic and real. It's like disarming the, the enemy. Yeah. First of all, it's not the enemy. Right. But there's a part of your brain. When we get into brain science, email, it's all about the limbic system, the fight or yeah. flight response. And your perceptions will deceive you from time to time, just like they do in a movie. Right. You're sitting in a movie, things get intense on the screen, you, your heart starts to beat faster and you grip those hand rests. My wife laughs at me because I'm dodging stuff. Right. It's light on a screen, people. You are not right. in danger. But your brain doesn't know that. Right. So as you perceive a threat, you kick into fight or flight right. mode. What you're suggesting to us here, I think, is one of the most psychologically sound, stable starting points that we could ever start from. Assume positive intent. And even if you're wrong, you're in a better position. Right. It feels better and it has more leverage to persuade the other person because, we, and like you're saying, that limbic system is triggered by our insecurities. Our insecurities are not the smartest parts of us. 
Our insecurities are probably the dumbest parts of us. Oh, yeah. And the insecurities are always there to protect us from being hurt. And so as soon as a message comes to us, a situation or a statement that resonates with one of our insecurities, it seems to be, it, it gets, it's like goes through the, um, you know, at the airports, you have those like magnetic screens and they, you know, the x-ray vision thing. You, it's like, as soon as you resonate with, as soon as that message resonates with an insecurity, it can be like loaded with all sorts of like bullets and guns and still walk through undetected to destroy your sense of self, your happiness, your perception of the relationship. And so taking advice from our insecurities, not a smart move. Hmm. So we need to hijack our insecurities by applying the strategy deliberately from our frontal cortex. To say, on purpose. On purpose to where we say, hmm, my wife's being really, really ugly and mean to me right now. I'm assuming that she's trying to hurt me, which the frontal cortex is, wait a minute, she loves me. She thinks I'm amazing and she wants things to be great. Great. So what am I missing? I'm going to look at her in a different way. How can I translate what she's saying or doing to the positive intent? I actually call it a translator. If I can just translate her message. Let's say she says something passive aggressive. Emil, I'm so glad you finally got to fixing that. Okay. Not the most positive thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to translate that in the most positive way. She's not trying to hurt my feelings. She's frustrated. So honey, I think what you're trying to say is you appreciate me getting it done, but you're kind of frustrated that it took me so long. Mm. How does she feel? She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I go, no problem. I totally get it. I mean, it's been there for what, two years and I finally fix it. I mean, I shouldn't get an award for being prompt. Okay. I get it. And now there's a resonance. There's a bond moment that happens from the conflict from the conflict let's compare that to emo 1.0 uh-huh. sarcastic statement comes and i go seriously i get it done and you don't even appreciate what i do what does she say well i told you thanks what more do you want you want an award you want a plaque on the wall for finally getting it what's gonna happen it's gonna elevate and here's this conflict that doesn't even need to happen. I'm fueling it with rocket fuel, and then I'm the victim? Come on. There's a strategy. When we look out for the other person's weaknesses, because we all have them. We do. We create a safe environment for the other person to be their authentic, real selves, which is the ingredient for intimacy. Right. So, assuming good intent, is is the basic thing that we got to do but it's easier said than done and i think the reason lies in one of the words on the front of your book what there's a word right here that says skills 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 we're right. we're talking principle okay and philosophy and relationship dynamics, but really what, what you're talking about here in your book are skills, and this is the first one. Right. It, it's a skill, just like playing the piano is a skill. Right. And we can't come to you here today and say, hey, folks, here's what's going to save your marriage. Here. Play yeah. the piano. <laughs> and you're like, okay, 
but I don't know how to play the piano. Yeah, because it's a skill. Right. First, it's a choice. Right. Second, it's a skill. Right. You got to keep practicing. And so yeah. like in that book, um, you know, instead of it just being a theory of, because one of the things that you'll notice in a lot of the books we read about relationships is they give you the idea or the uh, principle, right. but they don't give you the, the tactic or the technique to develop the skill, skill set that you'll need to use, right? So I break down assuming good intent into step-by-step -step things that a monkey can do. Why? Because I need to do it too. And I'm not the most brilliant person on the planet. I'm probably slow. And so what I need is I need someone to spell it out for me so that when I'm in that situation, I'm not going, now, wait a minute. I read the book. Uh-uh. When I'm in that situation, I have already trained my brain to think differently. And guess what? There's only so many situations. There's not like a bazillion different situations that make us feel insecure. There's like seven or eight. Once you've identified them, it's not like you have to recreate the wheel every time you're in a situation. You're like, I know how to do this one because I've already practiced it. So whenever my wife's frustrated or mean to me, it means she's hurting and she needs some attention. She needs to be understood. Yep. Every time. So now as soon as she comes across as being smug or snubby or sharp or spicy, I already know. She's not going, what can I do to make our marriage worse today? What can I do to get Emil his worst? No. As soon as I see that, I've already trained my brain. <gasps> she needs something. And it's always the same thing. She needs to be understood and she needs my attention. Boom. Honey, you seem really upset about something. Tell me what you're frustrated with. Now, later in the book, I teach you how to deal with any of her criticisms so that you don't go, pew, 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 pew. You like plug into the matrix of marriage. You like dodge bullets, you know, in slow motion because you already know what's coming. You, you know exactly it. so what's up. There's nothing new here, buddy. Oh, and that knowledge is so empowering. Emil, this book, you can turn conflict into closeness. Seven communication skills of successful marriages. Talk to us about how people can connect to the book. And sometimes that's silly because, well, you can just order it online. Um, right. Talk about this and whatever else you're offering to help support people in saving and enriching their most important key relationships. So we've got the book. I also have an online program, kind of like Paul, That's where you custom build a marriage. And so there's 12 lessons, and each lesson kind of builds on the other. And it really is about strategically designing a custom-built marriage. It's not plug-and-play where everybody goes, oh, these are the things I need to do. You guys, you and your spouse work together to figure out what your marriage should look like. Kind of like building a house. You start to brainstorm, what do we want in this house? Yeah. You don't just go buy wood and nails, start pounding nails together and say, we're going to build a house. I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to build a house. You, you first look at what you want to have happen in your relationship. Right. And then it'll walk you through these different steps. Now, some of the things that you want in your relationship, which everybody does, is good communication. People say good communication. They don't even know what that means. Good right. communication means two things. One, that we're able to share information to manage expectations. Okay? Mm -hmm. So I, my spouse knows what I think, feel, and do all the time. There's no surprises. 
and I take the responsibility to know what my wife thinks, feels, and does so that we can manage our lives together more smoothly. No matter how much time and effort I put into managing expectations, there's going to be frustrations and disappointments. Why? Because I'm weak sauce. I'm a human and I'm a man. Okay. Uh, I understand. You got all that going for you. <laughs> so when conflict does happen, we need the second communication set of skills, which is dealing with conflict, working yeah. through the conflict. And the book, the book is designed, how do I deal with the hardest part of a relationship? Working through the conflict part. Most people don't need help with other things, but that's what the book's about. And so in the program, we refer to parts of the book to help us develop the skills. And I've got another cool thing called the Awesome Husband Club. Everybody has these like really good intentions as a husband, yeah. especially the engineers out there that might be listening. But the execution of our brilliance sometimes doesn't happen. So the Awesome Husband Club is a, 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 a kind of a subscription to every two or three days, you're given a little thing to do. And it covers all the seven love languages. It covers everything to design like the ultimate husband. And all you have to do is look at your text and say, oh, pick up my wife's favorite treat on the way home. I can do that. And then when you take the time to do that, you come home with that like maverick frosting pink cookie. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Honey, I was thinking about you on the way home. Oh, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You're so thoughtful. I have lots of these techniques and tactics <laughs> to where your wife begins to crave you. And that's a burden that most men would appreciate. Uh, I also have the awesome wives club. Some of the wives said, well, I want one too. Because wives get busy with raising kids and doing schoolwork and getting the house clean and doing work work. And so their intentions sometimes slip. So I've put the Awesome Wives Club and the Awesome Husband Club and I dovetail them together to where we design interactions, even conflict. I tell the wife what to say. I tell the how the husband responds. And so the next day or two, the wife's going to complain and the husband's going to own it, man. He's going to like listen and yeah. just... Just milk it, right? And she's going to go, I have never experienced this in my life. And he's going to go, wow, this was actually pretty good. And then that creates this habit of really positive interactions. Yeah. And they put everything in what I call the Emo's Marriage Club. And so you get the book. You get the Awesome Husband Club. You get the Awesome Wives Club. You get the 12 steps of the custom-built marriage and podcasts that I've done. And so... It'll, I'll put pods, Paul's podcast in this. Including in this one. Yeah. So that's all about uh, email stuff. Let's get, let's get you connected, folks, to Emil yep. Harker. Uh, just remember his name. E-M-I-L. Yep. Harker, H-A-R-K-E-R. -E and there's a dot com for that. Done. Yep. Emilharker.com. Emil, thank you so much for sharing your brilliant. Happy, happy to be a part of this. And wonderful to connect with somebody else who has the same passion, the same purpose of making relationships so much better. So man, it's nice to know that we've got a good teammate out there playing hardball. Oh, absolutely. We've got your back, all of you listeners. You've heard it today. You've felt inspired. Please act on whatever you've been inspired to do. And it's time now to go live on purpose.